This podcast is proudly supported by the post-production facility, Red Lab. Red Lab. See where your ideas can go. Welcome to Women on Screen Out Loud, giving a platform to women in the film industry who challenge, motivate, and inspire on all sides of the camera. We are your hosts, Lara Jean Korostecki and Jennifer Pogue. Intuition, perspective, courage, and compassion. Perhaps this is what sets Maya Bankovic apart, as she has been deservingly credited as the next generation of Canadian cinematographers. Her work, described by various press outlets, as stunning, artful, concise statements, lyrically filmed, and dreamily stylized. Bringing her essay, Roll On to Voice, Maya speaks beyond the technical, navigating the reader through her experiences and defining the various building blocks she has discovered throughout her journey to chase and capture moving pictures. When I was 19, I took my new mini-DV camcorder into a hydro field. I zoomed in and out of blades of grass until a voice inside said, that's nice. I pointed the lens at falling light or up at the sun until the flare was just right and thought, that's pretty. I had taken out a bank loan to buy the camera the summer before my final year at film school. All summer, I played with that camera alone and didn't even bother watching the tapes. Back then, we were mostly still shooting on film, but that mini-DV camcorder became an invitation out into the world when affording film stock was out of the question. I wanted to give myself an option I could count on in order to keep shooting. That camcorder kept me moving. When I first started out as a cinematographer, I worked on productions that couldn't afford Steadicam, crane shots, or even dollies. We used what we had to our fullest advantage, even if it was just my shoulder or the camera on my knee with an interesting lens on it. Filmmakers would tell me I feel moments out really well, so I became known as a moment cinematographer. I started offering these things to directors on projects funded by grants or money we'd saved from other jobs. All we really needed to provide ourselves with was time. Shot by shot, film by film, I was building a career. Cinematography in its various forms demands that I accept many parts of myself in order to do it well. For example, documentary requires me to tap into an intuition I didn't know I had when I was younger. I connect quietly with discrete, undivided attention, but underneath that there are gut-level reactions happening. How is one person in the room reacting to what another is saying? What's the kid over there in the corner up to while this discussion in the kitchen is happening? How quickly can I swing the camera to grab a piece of that while not missing too much of this? Watching cuts of these projects, I grew to understand that how I saw something happen becomes what happened, as far as the footage is concerned. So decisions on where to put the camera, when to move it, and when to just let things breathe forced me into a decisive but fatalistic form of soft determinism. We get what we get, but the responsibility is big. When I'm in the zone and really focused on the frame I've got, a great documentary director has their eyes on all 360 degrees of the scene we're in and taps me on the shoulder, silently directing me to where our intentions can go next with a simple glance. Pan it over there, they can tell me, in this unspoken way, letting me know where they see things heading. When shooting documentary, we need to let go of our egos and trust our perspective. I remind myself that imperfection can be perfect sometimes. Photographically, documentary shooting also helps me develop my eye for a layered image. I like to think that any given shot can be about at least two things. The pictures on the wall, the environment we find someone in, 
or the action happening behind them. Any of these things can make a shot more complex and add dimension to it. We say a lot with what kind of context we choose to include, and it's through these choices we can also practice compassion. My world has become bigger while feeling closer thanks to the work I've done with documentary. Meanwhile, fiction requires that we accept ourselves as imaginative beings. The camera can do whatever we want it to do, so we need to pick. In fiction, a shot can be about just the one thing and say it very well if you design it that way. Riding the line between flair and subtlety is how I find where my tastes reside. Fiction shooting evokes the ego and then checks it constantly. As with documentary, we need to consider our images' statements constructed with intention. But in fiction, we figure out what it is we're trying to say with the camera and lighting ahead of time more often than we are able to do in doc. It's free will with a plan. And when everyone's radiating their best and working towards something collectively with equal strength, we know we've gotten something good. The camera assistant knows it. The dolly grip knows it. The gaffer is nodding. The director is lost in the movie at the monitor. That feeling is somehow captured. I love refining the shot with the team. It's the part that demands presence over discretion. Both take courage. There's vulnerability in capturing what you believe is interesting or funny or worthwhile about something. You're sharing your perspective and your take on what a moment means to you, and you might not hit the mark. You might expose yourself as being someone strange. And at my luckiest, I'm hired for that strangeness. This has been a lot to think about over the last decade, and I chew over these ideas fairly often. But it's important for filmmakers to consider ourselves thinkers, philosophers, artists, and technicians. With cinematography especially, I believe you must be all of those things in equal parts and be unapologetic about it. You need to trust trial and error. You need to trust that there are no mistakes, only choices. But in order for me to maintain my trust, I'm actively fighting the tendency people in our business have to become jaded. I make sure the conditions for creativity and success feel possible so that I continue to love this job. Do we have what we need? Can we scale back? Should we think bigger? Do I have something real and unique to offer to this? I've always chosen projects this way going off a hunch that a filmmaker is seeking growth and innovation with me. I look for the urgency in a director who cares about the world we live in and knows which stories would serve us well right now. I look for those who are striving towards a richer picture of our time here, a more complete record of how it is, while thinking of ways we can include more voices in that record through their characters and subject matter. I'll sometimes slow down and observe my progress and the experiences that have been offered to me. I wonder sometimes if I should be more ambitious, but I've never had success knocking on doors. It's only when I've turned my attention elsewhere that the doors I thought were off-limits suddenly swing open. Funny how that works. So, knowing this, my focus now has been on becoming ready for anything and on allowing myself to dream big enough to see opportunities that are actually all around me. Around all of us. All the time. I've come to realize you can wish and want but only when you're truly prepared do you actually accelerate in meaningful ways. I continue to put my energy towards people who are there to offer their support and trust to me. Those who have ushered me in. The people that keep me moving. Looking back on my life in movies so far, the images that come to mind aren't of the sound stages and the lights and the silks flying high in the sky, nor the cocktails at the film festivals. 
The pictures in my head aren't of the dozens of trucks parked outside, the unit making the whole machine run, though walking among them has floored me with awe as well. The images that come to mind instead are of the early mornings, the road at dawn, gas station coffee, the car full of equipment with a friend by my side, the contours of the mountains against the sky at dawn, the prairies, the jungle, the humidity of a foreign city, its food, its traffic, the rain, the slush, the setting sun, the rotating earth losing light, the raw emotion and a handheld camera, the airplane, the pickup truck, the dinghy, the Greyhound bus. It's the getting around, the moving around to make the movie. It's our own bodies as vessels roaming the earth to capture something with feeling, feeling enough to capture it for others to feel later, but not feeling too much that you botch the shot. It's movement, the movement of gear, the movement of people, the movement of the tall grass swaying in a wide shot, the movement of the landscape through the window, through the lens, the movement from screen to screen when it's done, that invitation out into the world to keep moving, keep rolling, keep going. The labor, the energy moving through one person and into another until we're ready to roll. The film rolling through the gate, a simple dolly shot. A steady cam move that can move me to tears. Everything about moving pictures is movement. And when we are rolling is the only time the chaos stops, needs to stop. A huge amount of patience tested. And the silence. We all need to be silent. To disappear. And once we cut, we move on. Coming up, Mara Jean Korostecki speaks to Maya Bankovic about her experience in the industry as a cinematographer. I'm Lara Jean Korostecki again. I'm here with Maya Bankovic. Maya, thank you so much for coming in today. Thanks so much for asking me. There's this clear love of craft, and um, if you'll excuse the pun, you've got some vision and drive to your work here. <laughs> Can you talk to us more about where does that drive come from when you say in your essay that you had the, the need to purchase that DV camera? Do you remember the moment where you were like, I really need this camera? Yeah, it's just like in, in a big way, like filmmaking kind of just got me out of the house a lot, you know, and um, I guess I was fearing the the like impending sort of end of film school and knowing that it was something that was really important to me, but that I didn't want to rely on um, like budgets, you know? Right. So I had to just give myself the resource to make sure it could remain a part of my life. Um, I had a restaurant job at the time and I, it was the same thing. Like I made sure to like quit that job before graduating so that I wouldn't kind of get derailed too much. Like a lot of this is about like setting the stage for for me to continue doing this thing. Setting the stage for success in a way. Yeah, and just like in a sustainable way too, you know? Like there were plenty of people in school that that, um, maybe they were thinking a little bigger at that age than I was, but, you know, like going to grad school or seeking um, projects that they could shoot on film and really like show the world what they could do on like a slicker level. But for me, it was just like, 
I, I just ha- kind of had to have faith that that stuff would come. And then in the meantime, I had to just keep playing with cameras, you know. And then if I had one, then I was like ready to go at a moment's notice to shoot anything anyone asked for. I'm going to go back to where you talk about, because uh, you just kind of spoke to that, um, the idea that you've never had success knocking on doors when you're talking about your fellow classmates really seeking, 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 and you are turning your attention perhaps elsewhere towards your craft and how that kind of makes all these doors swing open for you. Mm-hmm. Um, has that been your experience that when you really take the time to focus on you and your art that you find opportunities come your way? Yeah, because it's for for a couple of reasons. It's like you're not focusing on like the lack of something. So you're not stressing yourself out. And you're focusing instead on what you do have at your disposal and the projects that you do have to, co- to concentrate on and, you know, making the best out of those situations. So it's like I would just like kind of have this little mantra where I would tell myself like, this might not be that, but this is good too. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. So it's just like make this whatever it is the best it can be. Even if it was just like me and a friend with like a DSLR or something, you know, one day. But then the next day we'd have like 30 grand to spend on a music video. So it's like the range of things we were shooting was so vast that I just like I learned that I had to really like appreciate them all like in equal measure. Uh, That's a great statement to bring us into talking about the difference, as you touch on in the essay, about documentary and fiction work and this idea of intuition and going with the flow in your nonfiction versus crafting this specific focus for your imagination through fiction storytelling. It's a really great reflection. Was that perception and approach to the work kind of discovered through trial and error or just through breathing into it? Or can you say more about that? Yeah, I think in the beginning with like my first few feature films that were like really like shoestring budget things we were doing, I I, I really tried to apply that same sort of intuitive feeling it out kind of shooting style to those as I did to documentary. It's only like in recent years that I'm kind of... um embracing the more constructed and designed part of um, fiction shooting, any kind of scripted shooting, kind of allowing myself to do that. Like it was a little bit of a crutch maybe even to rely so heavily on like just intuition alone because in a way um, you're you're kind of not allowing yourself to like dream bigger when you're just kind of relying on a, a loose plan. It feels really fatalistic. Mm-hmm. but it But it definitely allowed me to become comfortable with cinematography to start that way. Like, I know now looking back why I did that, because it allowed me to just gain confidence in myself and what I had to offer. Mm-hmm. If my intuition was strong, you know, then a plan on top of that is only, like, a bonus. So, like, I kind of try to, like, straddle both worlds now. But I do think it's important to, uh, yeah, to, like, think of ourselves as people with, like, ideas and the ability to execute them with a plan. Do you find that the structure gives you freedom now? Um, it does in ways that, like, for example, like, I'm much more focused on lighting now, for example, because we know what the camera's doing. We know what the, the messaging is sort of behind, like, the lensing, the moves, or lack thereof. So now I can really spend that energy that used to be spent on a lot of discussion on set towards like, yeah, lighting and other elements within the frame. That's important. That's a huge part of the job. (laughs) So this idea of constant motion shines through your piece, especially at the end. 
I loved at the very end when you talk about how it is through our work that we find moments of stillness and reflection. Mm-hmm. It's not always in the doing of it or in the searching for it, excuse me. So do you think that we as artists ever stop moving and exploring? Are there moments of stillness in your work that you hold really precious or moments that you're most proud of? Um, it's something I'm trying to learn how to do, you know, is like appreciate stillness now. I feel like I've been like this like perpetual motion machine or something for like 10 years, which has both served me well in some areas of my life and not as well in others. So uh, for for many years, especially while I was like really involved in documentary, it was like it really was those like those silences, the long interviews or like, you know, just the disappearing into the space. Like you really need to become invisible and... um, discreet when you're doing that kind of shooting it was like really really an opportunity for me to practice almost like a form of like meditation you have to become like so entrenched in what's going on you have to be like energetically just like totally locked into it but I realized like I don't have times um, outside of work where I am able to do that so I'm like trying to find other ways to do that now and especially since I'm not doing quite as much documentary shooting as I used to It's kind of like half-half now. And, you know, and there is like a tendency towards like workaholism, for example, in our business too. So we we like a lot of us need to find these outlets outside of work. And uh, that's something I'm like, yeah, really trying hard to figure out. I have a question for you that I'm always fascinated by the way that different jobs in this industry, the way that we think in different ways. Mm -hmm. Do you find that you think in pictures and moments rather than words? Yeah, like I'm always like noticing things, for example, like on a really like subconscious level, like it's constantly happening, you know, like noticing how like the light on someone's face can be like just a little softer or that looks nice or, you know, or like some tree doing a cool thing outside the window and the movement. Like I'm always noticing like little movement and like weird things like that, but like not to the point where I'll stop and take a picture of it, but it's kind of like always on my mind. You know, um, I don't think about the job and the career as much as I used to. I'm, I really just sort of because like like kind of how I was saying and you brought it up, too. It's like when you stop focusing on that stuff is when it sort of starts to flow. So that's like really something that is just part of my personality. I think that's why I chose this job. I've always just kind of been obsessed with like lines and composition in the physical world, you know, so I just kind of harness it now within like a rectangle. What is, to end us off, what is the first image you remember seeing or capturing through film that you thought, yes, I feel like I got this. I got this feeling. I got this story. I remember the moment in film school, actually, where I became like a cinematographer in the eyes of others, but also in the eyes of myself. And it was one particular shot. And I hadn't thought about that before really, but I do remember the moment. And it was like, okay, so basically there was this guy who asked me to like cover for him on a shoot that was a documentary shoot. And it was a film about high school cheerleaders. And I had just gotten that camera I was talking about. So I was kind of like, the camera was like a hot commodity, you know, it's like, oh, Maya's going to like take that like wicked 20 new 24p camera out and she can go and do the cheerleader thing. And it was, but, and it was like a very glossy event kind of with like, spotlights and flips in the air and all this really cinematic stuff happening but there was a moment that was like in the locker room with the cheerleaders warming up and there were two of them on the floor and it was like a guy and a girl and she was sitting with like one knee up and the other like leg stretched out in front of it and he just like crouched down beside her and they were talking and 
the moment lined itself up so perfectly in the shot I had already had of her sort of like horizontal across the frame, like down low, kind of at her level. And this guy just like kind of stepped in and crouched down and they talked. And and I remember like the that feeling of just like, yes, everything, you know, like graphically, everything just like resolved in a way like perfectly. And, and, I, and I just like knew it. And I was like, amazing, because I was I was like, I was there on time. Like I got like I anticipated this cool thing. And it sounds like really, really mundane. And it kind of is. But other people, when they saw the shot, they're just like, that moment is perfect. And it's like, it's those little things. It's like, doesn't have to be a big flashy thing at all. But those little moments when you're starting out, they really like stand out to you, you know, because you're like, it's just that knowledge that you're like, kind of paying attention. And that like graphically you have taste and it's just like really simple, but it kind of made me feel like if I got that shot, I can get the next shot. And that's just like how it snowballs. Thank you so much again for coming in today and speaking to us, Maya. Thank you so much. It was super fun. Maya Bankovic is a Toronto-based director of photography, with nearly 50 credits to date working in various mediums, including commercials, short and feature film, television series, and documentary. Some of the most notable titles include Below Her Mouth, which premiered at the Toronto International Film Festival in 2016, Wexford Plaza, which premiered at Slamdance in 2017, the multi-award-winning documentary The Prison in 12 Landscapes, and the hit CBC series Working Moms, which she was nominated for a Canadian Screen Award in 2018 for Best Photography in a Comedy. You can keep up with her on Twitter at Maya Bankovic. Thank you again, Maya, for joining us today at the Red Lab Studios. Be sure to check out future episodes of Women on Screen Out Loud wherever you get your podcasts. And check out upcoming events and initiatives from Women on Screen at womanonscreen.ca. Until next time, I'm Lara Jean Korostecki. I'm Jennifer Pogue. And we are Women Women on Screen. Women on Screen Out Loud was recorded at the post-production facility Red Lab. This project was created and produced by Lara Jean Korostecki and Jennifer Pogue, with sound engineering and editing by John Lawless and original music by Erica Percunier. This podcast would not be possible without the support of Women on Screen founders Lauren McKinley, Farah Marani, and Kira Murphy. This has been a Women on Screen production.